welcome you again to another episode of the Players in the Game of Life. Our topic is Lifestyle Choices and Changes, Part 4. The social media powerhouses created platforms where people over the world, including church folk, express opinions in short bites. In recent years, however, these platforms have become more complex as individuals have begun to use them as tools to admonish others for attitudes and lifestyles they disagree with. Church folk have learned to publicly criticize everything from the beliefs people hold to the clothes they wear. The reality, however, is that a critical and unloving attitude does not align with who and what God called us to do and be as believers in Jesus Christ. If you listened to the last episode, I asked for a favor, that being to read Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now for this podcast, let us take a look at the essence of verses 18 and 19 we can confidently bring the truth of Jesus to the world because we, us, church folk, have Jesus' divine authority to back it up. Our job is to be Jesus' faithful messengers, and that's it. He didn't call us and want us to be uh, protectors of his word. He didn't call for us to be enforcers of his word. He called for us to be messengers of his word. To say what the word says and to give a testimony, our testimony, which is unlike everybody else's. Jesus' job is to prosper his word which is, in essence, for him to bring it to fruition. You know, there's an old, there's a scripture says, one man plants, one man waters, but God provides the increase. I think the problem is with us as human beings, sometimes when we tell somebody something, we're looking to see the results of our communication right then and there, if not in a couple of days' time. But to sit up and wait, (laughs) heaven forbid like God has waited on us to do and become what he wants us to be and truth be told we still haven't done it yet so allow me to inform all who listen to this podcast if the question ever arises are you talking about me or you can't make that statement about everybody let me say this I try not to actively engage in making blanket cover all statements that being said let me say this some church folk are so heavenly bound they're becoming or have become no earthly good allow me to qualify that statement by first defining church folk meaning those that react or portray something in an excessively dramatic manner I would go so far to say having a theatrical demeanor, an artificial, an arrogant, and in some cases just downright abusive. 
it would really surprise. Well, no, it won't. Because I've heard people, myself, say things that I thought that they would never say because they have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and all that he has done. Some people actually believe that when you become saved that you no longer sin, that, that there's no longer, you've made it, you have arrived. But that's not the truth. Some people believe that, you know, you, you won't sin again. You'll never make another mistake. That's not true. The Bible says that we have to repent daily because every day we miss the mark. We have all fallen short of the goodness and the glory of God. The Bible states this about theatrics. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. A lot of times people who, like I say, people who are saved, you know, baptized believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, they, they sit up and, you know, I don't mean to be humorous about it, but it's just the truth. Some people ride and in their car you'll see a, a Bible on the back, uh, in the back window or Something like that to, I don't know, maybe it's just to let people know that this is a Christian's car. Or hopefully it's not the saying that if you're speeding, which you shouldn't be anyway, child of God, children of God, obeyers of the law and trying to do the things that we're supposed to do rightfully. You know, we don't make mistakes. We don't cheat. We don't do anything like that. We don't have any other reason. But... If, if you have that Bible in the back of your car, you, you're hoping that it might save you one day. Not everybody now. Like I said, I don't make blanket statements. That, that if you happen to be doing something that you shouldn't be doing, that the police will give you a ticket. Won't give you a ticket because they see that you are a Christian. Well, that, that, that police officer may be a Christian too. And if he just decided to say something like, well, you know you have to be responsible for your actions and there are consequences. We would love to hear, I'm going to let you go this time with just uh, a warning. But every now and then we run across that one that says, you know, well, this ticket will help you remember next time not to speed. It's a shame, but that's the way it goes sometimes. These may be some of the same people that see the wrongdoings of someone else but fail to see their own shortcomings, you know. Again, I've, I've heard it said that, you know, why is it that you want to remove the splinter out of my eye, but you got a lamp pole in yours? You know, you're doing some things that, that you shouldn't be doing yourself. But yet and still you see what I'm doing, and, you, you know, it's, it's, I guess you can see it because it's out there. You know, I can't see what you're doing, but you want to talk about mine. I, I, I get that. Is that truly how you witness to somebody if, if you are this good church person and or church folk I mean to put it like that church folk because these are the people that you know that they, they excessively do things you know and they, they they really go about doing it like you know I mean you, like I said when I say you're so how let me put it like you're so heavenly bound you're so on your way to heaven that you, you're, you're no earthly good. You're, you're no benefit to the people 
that you're supposed to be benefit to? How are you going to tell somebody else about the goodness and the mercy of God when you come to them and you seem to come to them with, with a, a, a foul approach? Some people that don't even understand some of the words we use, you know, and, and, and it's not that we intentionally do this either. Church folk don't intentionally just strike out to hurt anybody's feelings, but because they love so much, and we do, as even our children, we do it to our kids, we do it to our friends, and, and we'll say, you need more Jesus, you need this, you need that. We're not trying to be abrasive. We, we just want them to, to be where we know that they're, where we're comfortable ourselves in knowing that they're going to be, they're headed in the right direction. Let me put it like that. They're headed in the right direction. They want to, to be, they want you to be in a position that if you were called today or tomorrow, that you would be with Christ and you wouldn't have to live eternally in damnation with Satan. But I don't know. Sometimes we just get ourselves messed up. It's, we just know that that's not the way to, to talk to a believer. You know, communication is the key to a lot of things, but presentation, my brothers and sisters, how do you talk to people? How do you relate to somebody? How can you talk to somebody about something that you don't even do? It's hard for us to witness to people and we talk about how good God is sometimes and, and how he has made us and, 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 and fixed things to where if it weren't for him, we don't know where we would be. You know, he you know, woke me up this morning. He did all these things. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And we're supposed to acknowledge that. But how do you do it when you get overbearing with him? Sometimes we have to watch what we do and what we say. Communication, yes, is good. But presentation is a key to a whole nother door. And sometimes we have to watch the way we talk to people. <clears throat> Excuse me. I truly believe there are some individuals on this planet because of some church folk and some false teaching by Sunday school teachers and preachers as well have, you know, drove people away. They, 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 they fixed it so, you know, you can you imagine coming and talking to somebody about Christ and, you know, you got your head bowed down or... You're, you're talking about somebody in a way that they don't feel the love or anything. You know, you, you're not giving them uh, the presentation that, that could be received in a manner that would be conducive to making disciples or conveying the grace, the mercy, and love of God through Christ Jesus. I mean, it's a way to talk to anybody. Some people may not even understand the word ignorant. And you'll tell them that you were ignorant to this and you were ignorant to that. Well, if that, if that person's vocabulary is not as extensive as yours is, and, and they look at the word ignorant and they look at it like you're, you know, saying something about them. And that's, that's a negativity. That's a negative thing to them. You're displaying something that you're, you're calling them out their name and you're saying they're an ignorant person. But that's not really what it means. You know it. But how do you talk to that person? How do you explain it to them? You know, like I said, I was told a long time ago, when you're talking to people, you should use a, and get a working definition of some of the words that you use. Because in your heart, you may not want to be or trying to be offensive. But in actuality, that's what you're doing. We do not have to condone sinful behavior. Neither do we have to condemn 
sinful behavior, nor should we, or, or should scripture be watered down. But we can be forgiven. That's what we have to tell them. They can be forgiven. Yet at the same time, knowing that there are consequences for our deeds. But God's mercy and his grace is shown to those who repent. Those who are in Christ Jesus. Repent. We had to find that out. You remember how we were before somebody came to us and told us? But now we have the tendency as, some say church folk again, some church folk, they, they look at people like, you know, you can't make a mistake. And that you ought to be shame of yourself for where you are right now. Well, what if somebody looked at us the same way? We have to watch, my brothers and sisters, how we treat people. If you're trying to bring somebody to a position, to a place where they can be truly see and, and witness the love of God, the first person they're going to see that in or see it through is you. If you profess to be a child of God and, and, and love and do all these things, you, you're supposed to love people. I didn't say you had to like what they do. I didn't say you had to do what they do. I said you have to demonstrate the love. And they have to be able to feel that. You know, you have to do it a genuine love. We are trying. We can't do it by ourselves. He left us with the Holy Spirit to help us to do these things that we find impossible on our own. And by doing those things and doing them, we may bring somebody closer to Christ. You may stop somebody from using drugs. Not you yourself, but, you know, be an aid in that. You may be a waterer, a nurturer. God is the one that's going to provide the increase. But if they can see the love in you, and you can share your testimony with them about where you were and how God brought you out, telling them the truth all at the same time, was it easy? No, it wasn't easy. He didn't do it because you were so faithful or because you did everything right either. He did it because he loved you. You have people in your family that, are, that act different than you act, that have done some things you wouldn't do. You know people out in the world that, that are doing things you wouldn't do. If you had somebody in your family that was the same way, irregardless of what it is, let your mind take you where you want to go. But if you had people in your family that were uh, captured or imprisoned by some of the same things that you see other people, would you not love them? Would you not love your family? Could you stop loving your family? All they're asking you to do is just love them. They're not asking you to make love to them. They're asking you just to love them. They're not asking you to do what they do or come along and ride with me. Come on, let's go rob a bank together. No, they're not asking you to do that. And even if they did, you got to mind yourself. You know what I'm saying? I choose not to do that. I mean, there's no, there's no stealing gene that I know of that's going to make you go stealing. You know, there's no, there's no, no, no thing that's going to know that I know of. No uh, genetics that's going to make you do drugs. You know, there's no genetic that's going to make you sin. Life in itself is going to make you sin. The only reason we people, 
we as human beings try anything is because we're inquisitive. We don't do it. We don't wake up in the morning talking about I want to do something that people are going to ridicule me for for the rest of my life. Or I want to be a drug addict, something that's going to break me down and mess up my head and mess my life up and mess my family. I'm not doing that because I, I didn't get up thinking that this is what I want to do. Sin starts off feeling good. That's why we do it, people. Because it feels good for a minute. Until it just gets on your very last nerve. And then you want out. But it's not that easy. It's like fighting quicksand. The harder you fight, the deeper you get. But guess what? I said it once and I'll say it again. God loves us too much to let us stay in the positions that we find ourselves in sometimes. You say, well, how come God didn't just... If he knew that you was going to get in, how come he didn't stop you in the first place? How would you learn? But he's right there. And he'll pull you out. But you made that decision. You made the decision to do or to try or to do anything that it was. But you make another decision. Some people don't make decisions like that. Some things are just put on some folks. Oh, we can get off into that a little later. But everything is not a choice. Some things are just like that. And the thing is, God loves us too much to let us stay there. You, me and you, we make the decision to stay there. And most of the times we make those decisions because we are afraid of the change. But I'm going to tell you, change is coming. It's going to come one way or another. God is steady saying, do you hear me now? Do you hear me now? Yeah, I know you're in this position. I've been trying to tell you a long time ago to come to me. And I can fix this. But see, I know your heart. I know your mind. You can't trick me. You can trick your mama. You can trick your daddy. You can trick your, your husband, your wife, your partner. You can trick them. You can't trick God. He can read you. He knows what you're thinking before you even think it. So you got to be serious about it. And if you're serious about it, he'll be there. He'll answer your prayer. He didn't keep you from a whole lot of things. You say, well, how come he didn't keep evil out the world? Evil came into the world. You got a choice. You either do it or you don't do it. That's your choice. God is not a, a, a puppet master. He's not manipulating you by, your, by a string or forcing you to do something. He said you can do whatever you want to do as long as you're willing to deal with the consequences of your actions. Now, his grace and his mercy may stop you from having to deal with it in totality. But believe me, just because a person is forgiven for something does not necessarily mean that there is not a price that you have to pay for. Oh my God. Well, my time is a little short today. I want to go into this a little deeper. I know you're probably looking forward to me too. But I'm not going to do it. What I really want to do is inform you of the next podcast. And it's about 
after all the things that I've been through, after the blended families, the divorce, after the job thing, after all that I've been through, the drug epidemic, all of this that I've led into my life, I have a question for God. And that question is going to be asked next week. I'm not going to let you do it. I'm, I'm going to tell you, can I still be saved? God, can, can I still be saved? After doing all the things that I've done in my life, as bad as I know I've acted up, can I still be saved? Well, the answer to that will come next week. Listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Tell a friend. I have some cards that I made up that have a, a code on it now. So you don't have to tape it. I mean, type it in. Hopefully I'll get to you. If not, ask a friend. And if not, write me. Maybe I'll be able to send you one. Email me or something, you know. We'll find a way to get that card to you. It's a players in a game of life card. I hope nobody is offended. I'm not trying to offend you. All I'm trying to do is inform you. And this is just a, an opinionated thing of my choice. I'm not trying to get you to think like me. All I want you to do, people, is think. But if you're hooked on drugs or you got some other problem, guess what? Thinking is going to be hard for you to do. You come out with a rational thought. But think about this podcast. Do that for me. And maybe, just maybe, you'll hear something that may benefit you. Maybe it'll ignite a fire in you. Maybe you want to move a little further than mediocrity. Maybe you'll want to stretch and stretch your horizons. I don't know. I can only hope you want to. And I can only hope that this benefits you. Thank you. Talk to you next week. Have a blessed time. And think. <laughs>